Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as the ladies that were just singing there, Lord, the, about the wonderful privilege of prayer. Lord, what an honor it is that you give to us as your children to come to you day and night in prayer. And knowing, Lord, that not only do we have the privilege of prayer, but Lord, when we pray, we know you hear our prayers. And as a loving Father, Lord, you answer our prayers. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful, wonderful privilege of prayer. And we know, O oh Lord, that that privilege came as a wonder, at a wonderful cost to your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In our sin, Lord, we would never be able to come to you. We would never be in a relationship that we could say anything to you. But because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, we can come to you as children, to a loving father. And you hear us and answer us. So today, Lord, as we continue our study on the journey of faith with Abraham, Lord, teach us about the wonderful power and privilege of intercessory prayer. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 33 this morning. Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33, as we continue walking with Abraham on a journey of faith. Journey of faith. Uh, this week, we're looking at the, a lesson in intercessory prayer. A lesson in intercessory prayer, that is praying for others. As the ladies were singing, someone is praying me through. Uh, what a wonderful, uh, wonderful gift it is to pray for others and have others pray for us. So today we learn a lesson in, in, in intercessory, excuse me, intercessory prayer. If you found your place there in Genesis chapter 18, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Starting in verse 16, hear the word of the Lord. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, to, the Lord said Shall I hide from Abraham? What I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, 
so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Or be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be, uh, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find it at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Post ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Amen. May the Lord have blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. You know, one of the the greatest yet most often neglected privileges that we have as, as Christians, as children of God, is the privilege of intercessory prayer, that privilege of praying and petitioning uh, before God on behalf of other people. Uh, we see today, as we begin to look at this narrative, because of our place under the covenant of grace, the children of God have the privilege of interceding for others. Let me say that again. This is the sermon in a sentence. Because of our place under the covenant of grace, the children of God have the privilege of interceding for others. And that's exactly what we see in today's narrative. As we look at this, we remember that last week as we ended the last week's lesson, the Lord had come to Abraham Abraham was there in the heat of the day, and the Lord came to him, the Lord and two of his angels, and he came to give that wonderful birth announcement that in a year, Abraham, 
you and Sarah should, shall have a child, and he will be born to you. And, and uh, Sarah, you remember if you were here last week, uh, Sarah, she was in the tent and she laughed. How could this possibly be? And the Lord was gracious to her. And we, see, we saw last week that that was uh, an act of the Lord, an act of mercy and grace upon, uh, from the Lord to come and help Sarah work through her doubts about his, his power and his ability. But now as that episode ends, as the dinner is done and everything is through there, now the Lord and the two messengers, his two angels, get up from supper and they head out on their way. They're there to, they have other business in the, the region, not just to come to Abraham, but they are going down to Sodom and Gomorrah because an outcry has come up to the Lord on, about their wickedness and he's going down to see if it is so. Now we know from last week the Lord knows that it's so, but all of this is working for Abraham. This is all God working with Abraham and through Abraham, building Abraham up. He has taken Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, a man who was a, a pagan worshiper. He worshiped idols. And the Lord God, our God came to Abraham and he called Abraham out of his paganism and has brought him to the land of promise. And all of this has been God working in the life of Abraham just like he works in the lives of all believers to grow us up from infants in the faith to maturity. All of this is God working in Abraham. And Abraham is now learning from God the importance and the privilege of interceding for others. That is pleading for God, pleading before God on behalf of others. And so as we, we look at this, we recognize right off the bat that Abraham and, and God have a special relationship. They have a very special relationship. God is coming to Abraham. God, he even, he came and had supper with Abraham. He is walking and talking with Abraham. This is a very special relationship. A very special relationship. Not all men and women in the world have this kind of relationship with God. And what we see here, that that relationship that Abraham has with God, what makes it so special is the covenant of grace. It's the covenant of grace that God has established with Abraham. That's what he says here as, as Abraham walks and talks with the Lord. Notice what he says here in, in verse 17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For, because I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice, so that for this purpose, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Now we have studied the, the Abrahamic covenant. And we know that the Abrahamic covenant it, it is a, a grace of God. 
Abraham didn't go seeking after God. He didn't go looking for a covenant, but God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I will covenant with you. And it was God who, who came to Abraham, and not only that, but God, as we, if you remember back, it was God who, who came and he cut the covenant with Abraham. And it was God who said, I take on all the responsibilities of the covenant. All the responsibilities of the covenant. I will faithfully be your God, and if you fail to walk with me all the way, I'll take on all the condemnation for your failure. And so God took upon himself all of the requirements and all of the, the commitments of the covenant. It is a covenant of grace, a free gift of God to Abraham. God simply comes to Abraham and says, I will be your God, and your reward shall be very great. And it's because of God's covenant with Abraham, this covenant of grace, that Abraham is able to walk and talk, have this relationship with God. Without this covenant, without this special covenant of grace, Abraham would, would be no better than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He would be another rebel in the world, living in sin, living in rebellion against God. But it is because of God's grace and establishing the covenant of grace with Abraham that Abraham is able to have this kind of relationship with God. So what do we see here? We see that the children of the covenant have a privileged position before God. The children of the covenant, those who are under the covenant of grace, have a privileged position before God. The only way Abraham is able to stand before God and to talk with him the way he talks with him is because he is in the covenant, that covenant of grace. And that's the same for all of us. You know not everyone can come to God in prayer. God doesn't hear the prayers of the lost. They're in a, in a relationship of rebellion. They have refused God. They have kicked God to the side. And so many will come to God when they need something. Oh God, would you give me? But they fail to surrender to him. They are rebels. They are enemies of God. And God hears not their prayers. God only hears the prayers of his children. Of those who are in the covenant. In that covenantal relationship. That covenant that God established with Abraham and we see a lot of times we we our nation has a national day of prayer and and every time that there's a great tragedy uh, all the the people of the nation will will come to the churches and and begin to pray but God only hears the prayers of those who have covenanted with him who are in that covenant of grace. How do you come into that covenant of grace? Well, as we've seen even with Abraham, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. How do you enter into covenant? You trust in the promise of God, that promise, that climax in the coming, the death, the burial, 
and the resurrection of God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to come into covenant with God, if you want to be under that covenant of grace, if you want God to hear your prayers, you must trust God. By God's grace, through faith, you can enter this covenant. So the children of God have a privileged position before God. Then as we see Abraham and God walking and talking together, God begins to reveal to Abraham what he is there to do. He begins to reveal to Abraham what he is about to do. He says, shall I hide anything from Abraham? And so he goes on and he tells him, then the Lord said in verse 20, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know it. God here begins to reveal to Abraham that, that he is there for another purpose. He is going down to Sodom and Gomorrah because an outcry has come up to him. God indeed is going down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, because of the outcry and because their sin is very great. Two reasons. Now, as we continue on, and we'll go here next week, but next week, as we'll see in, in Sodom, as the two angels come to Sodom, one of the, the grave sins of Sodom is their sexual immorality, as they want to, to take the angels and have their way with them. And so their sin, that's just one of the sins that we see. Their sin is grave, but also, and this is even more predominant in the text, is this outcry against them. What does it mean, this outcry? He mentions it twice, the outcry against Sodom, the outcry that has come to me. What does that mean, the outcry? We also see it in the, the next chapter, as we'll see that next week. But what is this outcry? What does that mean? Well, the, the Hebrew word that's behind this word, the outcry, in, in the Old Testament, it is most often used in, in relationship to one who is oppressed crying out to the Lord. It has to do with the oppressed, oppressed crying out to the Lord. Lord, help us. Help us. We are being crushed by our oppressors. Lord, help us. Help us. And we see throughout the text this week and next week that that is the, the most grievous sin that God is coming down to judge. You see, because God, what is most, what hurts Him most it's to see people oppressed, pushed down. You know, the greatest commandments are to love our Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it to love the Lord, to love our neighbor as ourselves. You see, when we don't love God and we don't love our neighbor, that's, that's the core of what sin is. We rebel against God. And when he, God looks down and sees the weak oppressed by the strong, God gets angry. 
God gets angry. And that's the reason why God is going here to judge Sodom because they are oppressing the poor and the needy. Corresponding to this is Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50. There the Lord says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, excess in food, and precious ease, or excuse me, prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me. So, I removed them when I saw it. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah are oppressing the weak and the needy, the poor and the needy. And this is an outrage to God. And God is going down to judge them for their oppression. So as Abraham hears this word from the Lord, then Abraham, certainly he thinks about his nephew Lot living down there in Sodom. But he doesn't just intercede for Lot. He thinks, what if there are righteous? Yes, the, the city is wicked. Surely uh, Abraham knew of the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was living there in the region. He had interactions with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he was their savior uh, in a few chapters back. He saved them from mightier kings. But Abraham, he intercedes before God on behalf of not just Lot, but of all the righteous who are there. He says, And the Lord drew near to, to him, drew near and said to the Lord, this is in verse 23, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are there? Abraham, most likely because of the grace and mercy that he has received from God, he thinks, what, if, what about the righteous who might be within the walls of the city? What about them, Lord? He begins to plead before the Lord as an intercessor for the sake of the righteous. But I want us to see this. What is the basis for Abraham's pleading? What is the basis on Abraham's pleading? Is it upon, does Abraham say, look, Lord, look at what all I have done for you. Would you listen to me because of what I've done for you? Does he say, look for Lot, look at what Lot has, has done for you in his life. Look how good he is. Can I, uh, can I plead for you on his behalf because he was good? No. The basis for his intercession is the very character of God. It's the very character of God. Look at it. Well, look at what it says. Far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. For far be it from you, shall not the judge 
of all the earth do what is just you see, he doesn't say, look, look, there's, there's some good people down there, Lord. Won't you spare them? There's some good people. Look at what they're doing that's good. There, there's some who's feeding the poor. There's some that are, are doing some good deeds. Uh-uh. You see, because if we try to pray for people based upon their good works or even our good works, that's not going to add up before God because Scripture tells us that all of our good works are filthy, nasty, dirty rags before God. But Abraham says, Lord God, you are a just God. You are a loving, merciful, just God. Would you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? You see, that's how we are to come to God. That's how we are to approach His throne of grace. It's not like, I deserve this, Lord, won't you give? Lord, because of who you are, I'm praying this. Isn't that what Jesus tells us to? Jesus in the model, his model prayer when his disciples ask him, Lord, how shall we pray? And he says, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, Lord, because of our relationship to you, as your children under the covenant of grace, because you are our loving Father, we come to you in prayer. Because you are in heaven, you are sovereign over all things, you are all-powerful, you are the Lord of heaven and earth, all things are under your domain. Because you are holy. Because you are not like any others. You are hollowed. You are holy. You are just. You are righteous. You are gracious. You are merciful. Because you are who you are, we come to you with prayer. The basis for intercession before God is the very character of God. The basis for any intercession, any prayer, is the very character of God. We go to Him not because of anything that we've ever done or anybody that we know has ever done, but we go to Him based upon who He is. He is a gracious, merciful, just, righteous, holy God. But then as the narrative continues, it gets kind of humorous there, doesn't it? As Abraham begins to haggle with God a bit. You can't help but laugh as you begin to read this because Abraham, he goes through the lineup. What if there's 50? But Lord, what if there's 45? Oh, but, but what if there's just 40? Like, God doesn't know where he's going. He just told Abraham, you're going to have a child, a son, in a year. Oh, why is it Sarah is laughing 
in her mind to herself. Now here is Abraham. There's 50. If there's 45. If there's 30. If there's 30. What about just 10? He haggles with God. But, but God doesn't get upset at him, does he? God is gracious to him. And he shows his loving kindness towards Abraham as he sits there and patiently listens to Abraham making his pleadings before him. Oh, we need to see that. We need to see that. As unperfect as Abraham's pleadings were to God, God lovingly listened to him. Dear friend, if you're, you're wondering, maybe you're a new believer and you're wondering, how do I pray? How do I pray? I don't know how to pray. Just pray. Just talk to God. God is a loving Father who loves to hear the prayers of His people. You're not going to mess it up. No, it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to say everything just right. But God doesn't care. He wants to hear your prayers. Just like He was patient to Abraham, He wants to hear you and He will hear you. Listen, dear friend, God hears the intercessions of his children and responds. God always hears the intercessions of his children and he always responds. As imperfect as your pleads may be, God hears them. He loves to hear them. And not only that, he responds to it, just like he responded to Abraham every time. All right, if there's not... If there's 50 there, I won't. If there's 30 there, I won't do it. If there's 10 there, I won't do it. He responds to Abraham. And he hears and, and responds to all the prayers of his children. Now understand, they may, he, he may not respond in the way we want him to respond. But he always responds. And he responds in the most loving and gracious way that he can possibly respond. Even when we think we want something or we need something or this is what, what is best, if God doesn't give us to us, we can guarantee that God knew what was best. God always hears the, the prayers of his children and he always responds in a loving, kind way. One last Point I want to bring out as we look at Abraham's pleadings and we hear his pleadings before the Lord and we see the imperfectness of his pleadings as we see his, his life as he becomes the, an intercessor for Sodom and Gomorrah for the righteous of Sodom and Gomorrah as he pleads before God and we, we look at his imperfections in prayer and we even see the imperfections in his life, we see Abraham as a sinner who lies and disobeys God during his life. It makes us want to see, it makes us look for a better intercessor. You see, all of the great heroes of the faith, they all lack. And they all point us to a greater 
intercessor, a greater king, a greater father. Abraham's intercession points us to the greater intercessor. It points us to Jesus Christ. He points us to Jesus Christ. Because Scripture tells us that we don't have Abraham as our intercessor, but we have the Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ, as our intercessor in heaven before the throne of God the Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, was who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes, who indeed is interceding for us. I want you to know what a great privilege it is for us to intercede for other people. Part of the reason that we can joyfully intercede for other people is because we know we have a greater intercessor who's sitting on the right hand of God the Father who is interceding who is pleading for us <laughs> our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ and it's through him it's through him that we pray for others praise God for our great intercessor Jesus Christ let me ask you, do you know Jesus? Is he interceding for you? He died on the cross, gave his life for our sins and our shame. And he was raised so that we might be counted right, just before God. Do you believe in him? Do you trust Him today? If not, give your heart to Him. Dear friend, do not neglect the privilege, the wonderful privilege of intercessory prayer. Do not neglect the privilege. It is a great honor and a privilege to intercede before God on behalf of others to pray for our friends, to pray for our neighbors, to pray for our relatives. Oh, how many mamas pray for their children day in and day out. Mamas, keep praying. Keep praying. I believe I am what I am today because I had a praying mother who prayed for me, who prayed that I would be a great follower of Jesus Christ. And here I am, pastor. <laughs> Pray for others. Plead before God for others. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for the honor and the privilege of intercessory prayer, for prayer across the board. Oh, that we could have that kind of relationship with you. You who created us, and though we rebelled against you and continue to, in many ways, to rebel against you, you provided a way through Jesus that we, we could become children. 
and come to you as a loving father and pray for our needs and and for the needs of our friends and our neighbors and relatives but Lord how often we neglect it how often we neglect we get caught up in the business busyness of the world and and we neglect that privilege of prayer oh Lord today impress it on our hearts the wonder of the gift and let us use it Lord I know that there are there are people around us people in our families children grandchildren even mamas and daddies neighbors there's family within this church family that needs our prayers today Lord let us not neglect praying for them bringing them to your throne of grace laying them before merciful God depending on your grace bless them bless us now I pray in Christ's name Amen